0: Hi there, my name is Charles. I'm one of the pastors here at CT, and thank you very much for choosing to spend part of your weekend with us. Uh, We're on the second week of Advent. Advent, a season of preparation leading up to Christmas to the celebration of Jesus' birth. I remember when I was in grade 11, grade 12, and I was starting to think of what to do with my life, and I wanted to be either a city planner or a civil engineer, but I still had no idea what university I wanted to go to. All I knew is I wanted to get out of Thompson. That's where I grew up. Now, being a good Mennonite boy, we were taught that you go to one year Bible college at least, and so I decided I was going to be a good Mennonite boy, and I was going to do that. I was a Mennonite boy that was going to a Pentecostal church. It was weird, but I liked it. They were pretty cool. So I asked around, asked some friends if they knew anyone that was in a Bible college, and I talked to my buddy Tim, and he's like, I know this guy, Sean. He's going to this Bible college at the time. It was called Central Pentecostal College. Now it's called Horizon, and we decided to give him a call. Uh, I was like, hey, Sean, my name's Charles, blah, blah. I actually don't remember much of the conversation other than I asked him, is it a good college? It was very short, and he was like, yeah. So my response was, all right, sounds good enough for me, and I put in my application in December, and I was accepted there, and I went in January. I had just turned 18 on the 4th of December, so I was an adult, I could make my own decision, so I moved out and was there around, right in the beginning of January in Saskatoon. I went for one year, that was my only plan. That was it. I had no idea how to, what I was gonna figure out after that, but again, remember, I, I was maybe a university, whatever, and somewhere along the way, something changed. So my plan didn't go according to plan. And now, after 15 years of full-time vocational ministry, I think this was a pretty good alternative. My plan was to be a civil engineer, city planner, but not all of our plans go according to plan. But as I look back, I see how Jesus was really weaving this plan into my life. And he knows my future. He knows what is going to be amazing for me And, hey, why don't you let me know in the comments about your plan that didn't work out? We all have them. Sometimes these plans just don't work at all. Well, here at CT, our children's ministry is starting a series called City of Angels, and we thought it'd be really neat to do the same theme with the adults. For those who don't know, we have this amazing kids' ministry going on at Sunday mornings during our Sunday service in person. And if you have children, they would absolutely love it. Um, and hey, maybe even if you're too old for it, don't worry, you can help out with it. You just got to talk to Pastor Amber Lee. It is so awesome. But in the City of Angels series, it looks at the story of Christmas through the eyes of the angelic encounters, the visits from angels that happened, much like the one we're going to go look at today when the angel Gabriel visits Zachariah and Elizabeth to tell them that they're going to have a son and to name him John. We know him as John the Baptist. The City of Angels series also looks at the visitations uh, with Joseph and Mary and all telling the story of Jesus, the story of Christmas. And I think it's going to be really fun to focus on the same theme as the children's ministry is. But before we get to the passage of scripture we're talking about today, I want to pray. So dear God, I pray that everything we talk through will be bridged over into our context, applied to our life, that we would be strengthened and challenged today. Amen. So the passage in Luke that I'm referring to earlier tells that story of the angel Gabriel visiting Zechariah to tell them that his wife Elizabeth is about to have a son. They've been unable to have children up until this point, and they're quite old, so this is an absolute miracle. However, I want to rewind a few hundred years to look at Isaiah chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 5, first because I really think this sets the stage. It's just one of the many passages We find in the Bible that tell the future that Jesus was coming, that God's plan was Jesus, that Jesus was God's plan, that this plan was driven by love, which happens to be this week of Advent, the one to focus on love, the love that God has For us and the love that he shows us. And if there's anything I would like you to have heard today, I want you to know that Jesus has a plan for your life, an amazing plan. Jesus has purpose for your life and you cannot mess up anything so bad that Jesus cannot work in your life and through your life to do amazing things. Jesus loves you more than you can ever imagine and wants to help you live a life of purpose and a life that is fulfilling in Isaiah chapter 11, was written to the Israelites at a time that they were in exile. They had this habit of following the laws that God gave them. They would focus on what God told them to do, do it, enjoyed reaping what they sowed. They sowed good things, they did good things, and then they reaped good things. Some might refer to it as karma, but I don't want to use that word because I feel it can have a variety of meanings in different um, religions and backgrounds. But it's essentially action-reaction. Do good things, good things happen. Alternatively, do bad things, bad things happen, right? And here the Israelites were doing good things, and they would kind of be like, well, things are good right now, so let's just focus on whatever we want. And they would start to veer away from the focus that God had them um, in their life, and veer away from the things that God told them to do, the laws and stuff like that. And things would end up going bad because they would start doing bad things, and there's consequences for those actions, right? Do bad things, bad things happen, just as much as good things and good things happen. Then when they realized they didn't like this, they would realign themselves toward God and focus on God again. God would have mercy on them, he would rescue them, and the cycle seemed to repeat all throughout history. Some refer to it as the cycle of apostasy. Here we are at a low point. The Israelites are having bad things happen to them because of their bad decisions. They're in exile. They have been captured and taken to another land. This is why this passage in Isaiah 11 is so important. And we see that in verses 1 to 5. I'm going to be reading it at NIV, and it'll be up on the screen. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From the roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel. And of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, or decide what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. There's a lot of imagery here. The, the forest imagery is used in previous sections to refer to the nation of Israel, and so now it's being uh, ref- it's destroyed. It's just a stump because of what they've done. They've made some poor decisions, and now they're reaping the consequences of that, but God still has a plan. God had a plan. This plan was Jesus from the very beginning to help us. And he is reminding the Israelites through the prophet Isaiah of that plan. It says the shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. If you're wondering who he's referring to here, Jesse is the father of David. If you remember the story of David and Goliath, the the sling, the stones, the giant that boy who defeats Goliath, this is his dad, who they're referring to. God gave David a promise when David became king that someone from his family would always be on the throne forever. Again, he was referring to his plan, Jesus. Because if you trace Jesus's family line all the way back, it comes back to David and to Jesse. You can find that all in Matthew chapter 1. Jesus, however, doesn't reign on a physical throne. It's a spiritual one. And Isaiah is reminding the Israelites in one of their darkest moments that there is hope. God promised it. And then it talks about the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, wisdom and understanding, counsel and might. And as you look through the recorded life of Jesus and Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you see all of these attributes in action, wisdom, understanding, counsel and might. Also, says he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Jesus will focus on God's purpose, God's will for his life, and show us how to do that. He will not judge what he sees with his eyes or what he hears with his ears. Essentially, Jesus is going to be perfect. He's going to be a perfect ruler, absolutely perfect. Up until this point, they had had a lot of rulers that were not. You remember that cycle of apostasy, doing good good things. Then they start doing bad, then bad things, and then God delivers them. They had a lot of evil kings in that process, and those evil kings would be like, we don't need to focus on God, and they would lead the country astray. They would do whatever they wanted, and they would also be evil, unkind, horrible, do mean things, and then bad stuff would happen. Kind of understandable, and the cycle would then continue. So Jesus was going to come, and he was going to be the perfect king. Jesus was God's plan. Jesus was God's plan all the way from the very beginning. Sometimes when we look at this world, and we see it as scary, unpredictable, and we don't know what's going to happen next, all these things can be very true. But we must always remember that God has a plan, and that was Jesus. And that plan continues. And Jesus said there's still hope. Good things are still happening. The future is bright. Next, it says, he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. Many understood this, thinking Jesus would come and set up a physical kingdom and he's going to destroy their enemies. That's why there's a lot of recorded dialogue with the disciples, asking Jesus who's going to be greatest, who's going to be the one who's going to rule next. It's us versus them. But that wasn't the truth. Jesus didn't come to set up a physical kingdom. It wasn't us versus them anymore. Everyone was welcome at the table. Jesus came to set up a spiritual kingdom. Our enemies are no, not other humans. Our enemy is evil. It's sin. Isaiah ends with righteousness will be his belt. and faithfulness, the belt around his waist. Uh, sorry, his garment. Our, our English translation doesn't get as deep into this phrase as the Hebrew. Essentially, it was saying at the very root and core of this individual will be truth and recon- so Truth and righteousness. At his very core, Jesus was truth and righteousness. He is truth. He speaks truth. So all those promises, they're truth. His teachings, truth. When he said something's going to happen, it's going to happen. When he said he loves you, he means it in the most perfect way. When he came to say and said he came to save all the world, he means it righteousness he is perfect he does not make mistakes he will not let you down jesus was god's plan a physical manifestation of the character and nature of god on earth sent to teach us who god is to point us towards god and then to die on the cross and to give us grace because we could never be good enough to take away the sin in our own lives we could never do it in our own strength as you look throughout the whole old testament you see this overwhelming theme of listen you can't do it Here's what it would take to live up to that standard. There's no way. But Jesus came and said, I know you can't do it, so I'm going to do it for you, and I've come to bring you grace. And it's so amazing to see that woven throughout hundreds and hundreds of years of history as recorded in the Scripture. It's amazing. It's beautiful to see Jesus, who is God's plan, woven in as you read throughout the Old Testament and then into the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, And it's amazing to see the plan that God had that was Jesus. So now we're going to jump over to Luke. And then I want to bridge what this means to us today. These scriptures weren't written to us. They are written for us, but they weren't written specifically to us. They were written to specific audiences. That's why Isaiah's phrases, the way he said things, um, might seem a little strange to us. That's why it's important to look at the context that he's talking about Jesus is coming, that there is hope. In the midst of the worst situations of our lives, there is hope. God, who is love, has a plan, and that plan is Jesus, who came to show us love and show us how to love. So let's jump back into Luke 1 that I referred to. We're going to start at verses 5 and read through till 25. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in ears. Not something to say aloud. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Wow. What a jam-packed passage. Gabriel essentially taking hundreds of years of prophecy, essentially people that God chose to give a message to deliver to his people that we see throughout the Old Testament and delivered it. Essentially, Gabriel showing up was a fulfillment of hundreds and hundreds of years. I can't imagine how overwhelming that must have been. I do not blame Zachariah for his reaction. He was terrified, and Gabriel says, Whoa, don't be. Yeah, easy to say. Guess what? You're having John the Baptist, the one that was foretold to prepare the way for Jesus, and he's going to turn the hearts of the parents to their children. That was all written in the book of Malachi, hundreds of years before this moment that Luke recorded. Wow. This is all pretty amazing. But all right, okay, so what does this all mean? I want to start with Zachariah and Elizabeth. What does it mean that Zachariah and Elizabeth were righteous, but they did not have what they desired? Even righteous people suffer. Does that mean that not having children means suffering for them? Yes. For others, maybe not. Does it mean that there's a spiritual check mark to get married and have children? No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that in their hearts, They wanted children, and they could not. It was suffering for them. But they were also considered righteous. So when you suffer, do not look at it as a comment on your identity. We all suffer. So what do you do when plans don't work out? Well, what did Zachariah and Elizabeth do? They continued to serve God. They continued to put one foot in front of another, and in a moment when they least expected it, God put his plan into motion in their life. Jesus was God's plan. John the Baptist was God's plan. But Jesus came to show us love, and it's because of that love that Jesus will always work things out. They may not be how we want them, but it's been my experience that whatever Jesus plans for our lives, it's always better than we could have ever imagined. We can look at so many people throughout Scripture throughout history that did not leave a perfect life, but Jesus in his love worked in their lives to do amazing things. No matter what you do, no matter how bad you think your life is or how messed up because of your actions or because life just happened to you, Jesus can still do amazing things in your life and through your life. You get to show amazing and powerful, life-changing love to others. So this Christmas, as we've lit the candle to remind us of the love of God, as we talked about how Jesus was God's plan, I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you haven't taken this step, this next step in your faith journey, and that's to say to Jesus, like, Jesus, I want to live my life for you. Maybe you've listened to us for a while, or someone else as well, about this Jesus, and you've started to understand that there's not a whole lot of difference between some all of us, really. We have some of the same struggles and frustrations in life, but there's this theme of hope in some people. Well, that's Jesus. And Jesus said some words in the gospel that were recorded that said, basically, whoever confesses with their mouth. That Jesus' is Lord will be saved. Essentially saying, you know what, Jesus, I'm sorry for the bad that I've done. I see you as a better choice, as the best choice, as the plan for my life. And I choose you. And I will do my very best with your help to follow you. And that's God's plan. And if you'd like to do that, let's pray that together. So Jesus, I am sorry for bad that I've done. Please forgive me. I choose to follow you to my very best of abilities. And as you help me, help me take it day by day. And please work in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you took that first step, or maybe you're here and you've done that before, but you feel like you've kind of wandered away from Jesus, and it's like a rededication for you, please, please reach out to us whether letting us know in the comments below or you can go to our website, ctbranded.com and connect with us there. We would really love to do whatever we can to help you in your faith journey. In the end, just remember that Jesus was God's plan and that plan was love. Have an amazing week.